Countdown to kickoff continues. The Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a one o'clock kickoff time at Everbank Stadium, Jacksonville, Florida, in week three. The AFC South divisional rivalry renewed. And DP Sidhu of the Houston Texans insider and senior writer, lead writer, she does everything for the Houston Texans and HoustonTexans.com. It's great to visit with you. And here we are back again for a Texans-Jaguars matchup. I mean, it's always beginning of the season, the end of the season. It's always a battle. And I actually love these division games because I feel like these two teams know each other so well. And even though the Texans look completely different from what they looked like last year, it's always, I think, a, a really good test when you go again, up against a team like the Jags, who you know have had the most consistency in the last few years in the division, it seems like. And they've been through some rough years themselves. So I think seeing Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson in his second year, seeing some of this uh, at such a young Jags team, playing them in Jacksonville, it's it's always a lot of fun. Cannot wait. Let's start with the head coach. D'Amico Ryans obviously played there in Houston, a longtime linebacker in the NFL, and really cut his teeth in San Francisco as an assistant coach. It's it's tough sledding early in this season. It's going to be a long build here for D'Amico, but what is the – the tolerance, the patience around Houston for him and as he puts this organization together. I mean, we'll see. I think that there is more tolerance around D'Amico Ryans just because he's not just some guy that you brought in from the coaching process. People have seen what he's able to do as a player. He was so well regarded and so well respected. I mean, defensive rookie of the year and then went all pro in his second season. Guys like Brian Cushing talked about what D'Amico Ryan's meant to his career as a rookie. Uh, when J.J. Watt was drafted here in 2011, he said that he found a house across the street from D'Amico Ryan's because he said, if D'Amico bought a house in this neighborhood, well, there must be something right. So I'm going to move across the street and live across them. So, you know, that's sort of the effect he's had on the players. And so you just know the fans and the city has seen that through the years. And even throughout the coaching process, every single team that was looking for a head coach had put into to to uh, interview D'Amico Ryans, and he wanted to come to the Texans. So this was a team sort of left for dead the last few years. I mean, you've had three head coaches in three different years. Um, the you know all your stars were gone. You've pretty much gone through this rebuild for the last few years. And of all the teams D'Amico Ryans could have gone and coached for, it was this Texans team that he wanted to come home to. He he calls Houston home. His wife is from Houston. And I think that Houstonians have really embraced D'Amico Ryans as one of them. And you don't really get to say that too much in the NFL, that you got a head coach that you're excited about because he's from here and we saw him play and we're really invested in him. I think that's what it is. This this city is really invested in D'Amico Ryan. So I think that there is a lot of patience and forgiveness for D'Amico Ryan's because he's coming into such a tough situation. You know, he's got a rookie quarterback. He's got a brand new coaching staff and people can see the flashes of what is good about this team. Obviously, C.J. Stroud just played his heart out in Sunday's game against the Colts. He was actually questionable heading into this game against the Colts. He had a shoulder injury, wasn't sure if he was going to play all week unbeknownst to the rest of us that saw him out at practice. And then Friday magically shows up, which is the thing you don't want to see. You're starting quarterback on the injury report list. Oh, and your left tackles out. And Oh, three of your four offense, four of your offensive linemen um, are out three of which who weren't even here in training camp. So it's, it's really been tough from the jump for D'Amico Ryan's. And even then his offense played really hard. Now the defense played really tough in week one. 
it was a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde from week one to week two. You didn't really see them perform to that same level in week two. And there's a little bit of frustration there, of course. But I think we've seen flashes from both sides of the ball of what is coming together, what D'Amico is trying to build. So I think right now there is a lot of patience for D'Amico Ryans. I mean, this city uh, is not expecting a championship, Super Bowl championship this year. They just want to see some growth. They want to see some improvement week to week. And I think D'Amico is the kind of guy that can get you there. I think the players respect the heck out of him because he's done it. He's done it at a high level, and it wasn't even that long ago that he was doing it. So, um, you know, I think there it, it's a perfect situation, I think, for Texans fans to have a coach that gets them, and they get him as well. So I think that D'Amico Ryan's right now, it's early. People are waiting to see with bated breath, and there's still a lot of positivity surrounding him. P.P. Sidhu, Texans insider with us. All right, you touched on C.J. Stroud, the number two overall pick. I called a bunch of... Ohio State games over the last few years. And when he has time to stand in there and, the, and he has weapons around him, the guy's a pinpoint passer, big arm. But the question is, with the, all this offensive line stuff going on in Houston, will he have that time? And you know, how has he handled that situation so far with a, a revolving door, if you will, on the offensive line? At, at some point, will that get to a rookie's mental state? I think the thing with him is he just has come in with this mentality of a winner. I mean, JP, you know, I went to Purdue. I do not like Ohio State, but I have to say they really have a top-notch program and he's come from Ohio State and, you know, he's played on such a big platform and I don't think he uses anything as an excuse. Even the hurt shoulder, the banged up O-line, None of it was an excuse. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect from him in week two. Week one, he didn't throw any touchdowns. But week two, I mean, he threw for 384 yards. He threw two touchdowns. He's not had an interception in the first two weeks of play. Now, there have been some strip sacks. There's been sacks that he probably shouldn't have taken. There's been some fumbles here and there. But as far as his passing, everything that we had heard about him coming out of Ohio State, like you said, the pinpoint accuracy, ball placement is the one thing that I heard so much about. And, you know, I think a lot of people, we were talking about this on Texans All Access as well, that a lot of people said, okay, but look at his receivers. I mean, he's had some, he's had Garrett Wilson. He's had Marvin Harrison Jr. He's got all these top-notch receivers that are all like first-round draft picks. I mean, I tell you, he comes in here and he's making these receivers have the best games of their career. Nico Collins, who was here in 2020, who has really struggled at times, looked great in camp, but just never really put together standout games had 146 yards receiving and a touchdown. Tank Dell, the rookie, over 70 yards receiving and a touchdown. He's really made the receiver shine. And it's it's a credit to CJ because with an offensive line as banged up as it is, even with a veteran quarterback, if he's not able to throw the ball, get the ball out on time, you'd understand it. Now, that's not to say the run game hasn't struggled behind this O-line. Like I, I don't think they want to see CJ throwing 47 times with a hurt shoulder like he did against Indianapolis. So that there definitely are some issues with how do we get this run game going. But I think CJ's confidence right now is not one of them. He is hard on himself even when he does have a great performance because he didn't win. I think that's the thing that I think the players in the locker room really respect about him. That's why they voted him a team captain as a rookie. I think they see that hunger in him and his drive to win. And I think mentally he is really, really tough. You just hope that you get some players back on the O-line and give him a little bit of time and his shoulder heals up and then see what he's really able to do. DP, we know about 
uh, the past 10, 15 years in Houston on the defensive side of the ball, there have been some incredible, some of the all-time great defensive players that have played for that organization. And then not only did you have a number two overall pick quarterback, but traded back up to number three and picked up Will Anderson from Alabama. Yeah, it's a couple games in. Uh, what do you like about him so far? D- is there still a projection that he could be that next wave of big-time generational defensive player in Houston? Yeah, I mean, you know, you've probably watched a lot of Alabama games, JP. You know what Will Anderson's capable of. I think that if there was any – if people were talking about a sure thing in the draft, Will Anderson was it. And I think we learned really early on in camp. In fact, D'Amico Ryans even said – you have to kind of hold him back because there are no pads. There's no tackling. But a lot of times in training camp, you'd look, you'd blink, and there he is in the backfield just standing there. And you couldn't wait till he was able to go up against, you know, quarterbacks not wearing a Texans jersey. And in week one, I mean, what a test to go up against Lamar Jackson. He gets a sack on him, hurried him six times. I mean, his stat sheet was littered with numbers against a guy that is tough to bring down, tough to tackle, tough to corral. And I think that was what really impressed everyone about Will Anderson Jr., the fact that he's able to do that against one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now at escaping top-notch defenders. The issue with Will Anderson is that it wasn't really duplicated in Week 2, but that was also the entire defense. And a a lot of that is when you're playing from behind. The Colts got off to an early 14-0 lead in the first quarter, and so – That is not what anybody expected. You're playing from behind. Your pass rush isn't really playing the way it should. You're not as disciplined. Maybe you're trying to do a little too much to get yourself back in the game. But I think as far as Will Anderson's concerned, he is a guy that has was a leader in the locker room at Alabama, comes in here, and everyone's seen the way that he works, his work ethic. D'Amico Ryans, who was known for his work ethic, is talking about a rookie's work ethic and how he – works really hard, stays after practice. He's just such a likable guy, great head on his shoulders. And even after that first game against Baltimore, I asked him if um, he got any feedback. He's got like five older sisters. And he said, yeah, they they said it was an okay game, but I'm not going to get too excited because I'm sure next week they'll have something else for me to say. Humble as can be. Um, he definitely has all the physical traits and attributes. And then on top of that, he works really, really hard, which I think is a combination that, can really take you places in the NFL. I think people are very excited about Will Anderson. With him in the mix, offensive coordinators have to, you know, the hope is plan around him. And then guys like Jonathan Bernard or Jerry Hughes or guys on the the other side of the D-line can get some sacks as well. But right now, Will Anderson, he seems to be everything as advertised. He just has to put together consistent performances week over week. But we've certainly seen everything that everyone's touted about him and and we can see why he was a number three overall pick. Well, DP, there's no doubt when you have five sisters, you're going to get some feedback. <laughs> and they used to give him a hard time, too. So uh, he's humble, if nothing else. And he said, luckily, they were on the plane, so they weren't texting him during the game or after the game against Baltimore. But he certainly heard from him the next day. So he was he was laughing about it. But. You know, you know that he's uh he's he's definitely heard about it from his family members. That's for sure. <laughs> DP sitting with us, uh, Texans insider. Final thought with you: just the outside looking in view of the Jaguars. You know, this this stretch run last year doesn't happen if there's one fumble in the last five games of the season that goes the wrong way. But it all went the right way. They won the division. They added a piece or two to a team they feel like was pretty strong. 
what's the outside view of the Jags looking in? I mean, I think this Texans team doesn't want to give the Jags credit for being in the runaway leader of the AFC South. I mean, the rest of the NFL and the rest of the country may say, okay, the Jags are going to get this division. Uh, You know, the Texans and probably the Colts and the Titans who are not going to give it to them so fast just yet. Now, with that being said, they all know that it's going to have to go through Jacksonville. I mean, Doug Peterson's done a phenomenal job of turning that offense around, turning that team around. Two years ago with Urban Meyer, nobody thought that Doug Peterson could just walk in and do what he did and really turn Trevor Lawrence's career around as well because we saw that he was the number one overall pick, but we really saw it last year with the Jags. They had Christian Kirk. They paid so much money for him. I don't know where they got all that money from, but then somehow then they get Calvin Ridley and they've got all these number one picks. They've been quietly stashing away year after year. And I think, you know, I'm telling you just from a personal perspective, just seeing what the Jags have been able to do with all these high, high top draft picks, you know, the Texans hope that, you know, one day they're going to go toe to toe with their quarterback as well, who gets some experience under his belt with all these number one, number two, number three picks as well. So I think there's a lot of respect for that Jaguars organization, what they've had to go through and how they've had to really build themselves up after, you know, making it to the AFC championship game against the Patriots several years ago. And, you know, let me just say that was the hardest game to watch because I was like, I don't want to cheer for the Patriots and I don't want to cheer for the Jaguars and I want everyone in the AFC championship game to lose. But I digress because the Jaguars have turned it around. And I think it's a great test for this Texans team that is so young and new. If they can come in and put up some points and play really well against this Jaguars team and maybe steal a win like they seem to do every single year at some point or another, I think that that would make this Texans team feel like um, they're going places. And I think that's a sign of respect to the Jaguars because they are such a formidable AFC South opponent. DP, it's always a pleasure. You always bring the heat. Hey, it's it's a division rivalry. We expect nothing less. Gotta bring some trash talking too while we're at it. Yes. <laughs> Duck CJ could be a long day at the office. Hopefully, if the Jaguars defense gets going. <laughs> we'll talk to you, DP. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, JP. Always appreciate catching up with you.